episode 81, Phil Kessel, Cool Button Hockey Podcast. The draft is over. Silly season continues as we look to Wednesday and the free agent frenzy. But just to put a bow on the weekend, it was the best, most fun draft I've ever been to. We had a great moment together, Craig. Who would have thunk it? I guess your biggest takeaway is the top of the order on Thursday. Okay, that would be second for me. I've said this, you know, when when you talk about, uh, you know, the, the standard bearer for sports franchises in hockey, the Montreal Canadiens stand alone. Like, I know there's other ones that are, but Montreal stands alone. And the draft has been in Montreal for years long before, you know, now for it to return after a three-year hiatus, you know, and now you look at what they did, the theater, the drama, everything that goes with it, a full building. Uh, it was spectacular. It was spectacular. It was the Montreal Canadiens at their very best. And then, okay, we talked about the top of the order. Montreal made it very clear, Steve, that they were considering three players. There was no, oh boy, where did that come from? They made it very clear. They addressed it, said we're considering three players. So we knew it was coming down to one of those three players, probably two. And at the end of the day, they chose Slavkovsky. But the minute they announced the Kirby Doc trade, it became very clear that there was only one choice at first overall for Montreal, knowing they were getting Kirby Doc. And it was Uri Slavkovsky. And, and not, that, not, that, not that there was anything to me that said, oh boy, why would they do that at one? It was about, oh, now this totally makes sense. There was, once you knew you were getting Kirby Doc, it was clear that you needed to take Uri Slavkovsky. So to me, you know, what they did, uh, you know, in terms of handling the, the draft and then uh, like, you know, Guy Lafleur's son, Mike Bossy's daughter, Marty St. Louis coming out, you know, talking to all the kids. He said that, you know, wishing them the best and saying, if you don't get drafted, it doesn't mean it's the end. I mean, he touched everybody in between. It was honestly, they, they do pomp and ceremony better than anybody. Yeah. Well said. I'm going to stick to my belief last week that the Kent Hughes presser was the trial balloon to let people know we're taking Slavkovsky read between the lines here and we're considering everybody and we're going to have another meeting. And I don't really, really, really think that they were going to take Logan Cooley, but they thought, what the heck, let's just say all three of them, put them all in the mix. They were always leaning towards Slavkovsky, which is the right. It's not a popularity contest. It's not about winning a press conference. It's about winning games. And when you add into what you said about Kirby doc, that's great. So we got a slow back at one, a slow back at two and Shane Wright falls to four I don't know if this is Eiserman like in 1983, Shane Wright joined us. If you don't go one, does it really matter? Two, three, or four? The Seattle table was right in front of us. Here's what I saw from a few scouts. Wright falls to four. I mean, at that point, if you're Seattle, did you really believe it could happen? And were, were they giddy like kids left at Disney World in the candy store? Well, I'll tell you what Ron Francis told me on Thursday night after the draft, you know, we were chatting and he said that uh, if you want to be a championship team, you, you need centermen, defensemen, and a good goaltender. And he said, we got two really good centers. You know, you know, I, I, you know, Ron Francis was the fourth overall pick 
1981, ironically, right? And Shane Wright has a game that's similar to Ron Francis. Not a lot of flash and dash. You know, I've compared Shane to Patrice Bergeron, current player. Ron Francis is a Hall of Famer, one of the one of the top point producers of all time. People don't even realize that. And to me, I said to Ron, I said, you got to see some similarities in yourself to Shane. He goes, yeah, you know, Ron's very humble. But I think that, you know, the fact that he got to four, Ron said to me, he goes, you know, we spent a lot of time with him pre-draft. He said, when he came down to our table, he said it was almost like the weight of the world had been lifted off his shoulders. And, you know, you, you go into a draft year, there's lots of, the players always want to put their best foot forward. Certainly when you're, when you're a player that is, you know, seen as the number one overall pick, you, you, there's lots that goes on and players handle it differently. But I think that Ron's comment about the weight of the world being off his shoulder after being drafted, I think that that was telling, you know, about what Shane went through. Listen, I think he's a terrific player. I'll tell you what I tell all the players. You know what? On draft day, you got drafted exactly where you should have been drafted because no team was ready to take you before you got selected. So understand that that slot is where you should have been drafted. Now, as time goes on, we can look at it. I tell players all the time. You know what? That was that day. Now, if you don't think you should, if you think you should have been drafted higher, show the team you should have been drafted higher. And I think that Shane talks about self-motivation. I think that uh, he's already, he's already exceptionally self-motivated. This might be a little bit more motivation for him to show, but Seattle, hey, listen, it wasn't just there. It was deeper into the draft too. I thought they had a fantastic, fantastic op to build out their team and their franchise with skill and players at different positions. So um, we're going to get into the UFA stuff in seconds because it's a UFA week, but so much happened over the weekend. Let's just stick with, say, the, the, the top of the order. Is the right play to slow play Shane Wright? Go to camp, major junior, world juniors. Is is there going to be a rushing this, missing the year? Like, how would you play it? And this group, like Uri Slavkovsky is going to be a hab and in the rookie of the year conversation. Let's, let, at the very last year, what do we have? Seven guys played. One guy played the whole year, Cole Sillinger. J.J. Moser was a second round pick. He had a cup of coffee. Really one guy played, right? Mason McTavish. So one guy played all year last year, Cole Sillinger at 18. These guys, how would you do it? How do you think they're going to handle Uri and Shane in the respective cities? Well, number one, like I think Uri, based on what he did at the Olympics, World Championships, Pro League in Finland, that, you know, he comes into training camp with every opportunity uh, to start the season with the Montreal Canadiens. And he's got a physical maturity to him, but he's also got a real uh, experience playing against older and, and having success. There's a big difference between playing with versus older players and having success. Your eyes had that. So I absolutely think that I'll be shocked if he's not on the Montreal Canadiens opening night roster. Let me say that. Okay. After that, you go all the way to four. And I look at Shane Wright. You, you make a great point here. He played six games in an 18 month span, you know, getting him back playing. Is it the, is it going to be beneficial for him to go back and play in junior play in the world juniors and just get playing you know, and, and, you know, Matty Beniers, you know, benefited by going back to Michigan. I think that Shane Wright would benefit by going back to Kingston. Be, be the big man on campus. He already is. He's a great leader, but just get those games under his belt. That would be my approach, but come to training camp and see where you're at. There's only one other player I see that, uh, you know, from the first round that I think can be in the NHL next year. And that's David Yurichek. 
He's a late birthday. He's big. He's strong. He played. He's played in the in the Czech Extra Liga. To me, he's the only other player that at this point in time that I would say, okay, those guys, those three guys are the guys that I'd be looking to to be in the NHL next year at the outset. I remember when Joe Sackick kind of made the team and cut himself and had to go back one more year. It was like, no, no, I'm 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 going back, and you know, that green tomato as it turns red, as the Pat Quinn saying goes. I don't know if anybody's ever been hurt by playing another year of major junior or getting some time in the American league. Right. So as, as we slow play it, it'll be very interesting to see how things are handled, but it was so much fun, so much fun in Montreal. So that's in our rear view mirror as uh, we leave La Belle Provence and now the UFA period at the very top of that order is Johnny Goodrow and Nazem Kadri. As we sit here at press time right now, they are hitting the market on Wednesday. Why is it number 13 already signed and committed in Calgary? And is there enough money to keep Nas happy in Denver? Let's start there. Well, well, the key is, is is there enough money to keep Nazem Kadri happy in Denver? And you know, like they didn't sign Kemper. They went, and, I mean, Joe Sackick, think about what he's done here in the last 13 months, 12 months, whatever it is. He said, nope, we're moving away from Philip Grubauer, makes a trade for Darcy Kemper. You know, Darcy Kemper comes in, they go to the Stanley Cup, they win this, they, they don't go to, they win the Stanley Cup. And now he looks at it and goes, okay, where are our dollars? Ah, can't keep him. Boom, I'm going to get Georgiev. Like it's a, like, like y- y- Joe, is so good at managing in this regard. I call it dispassionate assessment. I'm not falling in love with anybody. Here's the reality of my situation. I'm not going to fight it. I'm not going to bemoan it. This is what I got to do. They have a really good young goaltender, Eustace Anderton. Now, I don't think Eustace is ready. I think he's 18 months away. So, you know, if he's 18 months away, well, this is perfect. You got Francois, you got Georgiev, you, uh, you know, in, in play. And, you know, this is a top team. And Georgia has shown that he can be really good in the NHL. This is a good Colorado defense. This is a team that doesn't give up a lot. So now you ask me about Cadre. Sounds like Nachushkin's going to get done. And so how do, you, how do you create some money? How do you create some opportunity uh, on the salary cap to, to keep Nazem Kadri. And I don't know what Nazem Kadri's expectations are. I think Nazem Kadri could get a lot more money outside of a non-competitive environment. I do. I don't think Naz wants to be in a non-competitive environment. He's got a taste. And you know what? The great thing about players like him, they know what they've accomplished. They want to accomplish more. So I think that if Joe Sackick is trying to create some space and some room uh, to sign Nazem Kadri, I think that uh, I wouldn't bet against Joe Sack. <laughs> That's what I'm telling you. Yeah, but there'll be a lot of teams who have some room, are, you know, not terrible, that, that could be in the mix. You know, we start looking and like would Nas want to go if things are changing in Boston or Washington? There's probably not room for him with the Islanders, but there might be room for Johnny Goodrow with the Islanders. Johnny Goodrow leaves, could Calgary say, well, even though one's a winger, one's a centerman, can we work something by having Kadri replace Goodrow almost dollar for dollar or, or save some money and put him in the middle? The Sean Monaghan situation, so there could be some other options in Calgary. Is anything other than them staying at home 
I like like Johnny Goodrow's not getting well, he can't get eight times 9.5 anywhere. So if he leaves, is this just about him wanting to go to the eastern United States where he's from? And if Kadri tries everything with Colorado and says, like, could he go be the new Bergeron in a year from now? You know, like, I think Boston needs Kadri more than Kadri needs Boston. But these aren't the 2011 Bruins, Craig. So, and, and teams are going to start to age. The Capitals, the Bruins, and maybe the Penguins will age better than those teams. You talk about being competitive. I try to connect these dots with, you know, Philadelphia for either guy. You got to be kidding me. Like, you got to be kidding me. You know, New Jersey, I don't see it. So I'm trying to be realistic on these landing places. And it's a fun game. And there will be money to be made if it's a longer shot and they end up going there. But I, I'm not convinced on that, Craig. I'm not convinced on that. Well, I'm not either. And again, we talk about the personality of players. I will say this about the Boston Bruins, though. They have an excellent young goaltender, Jeremy Swayman. So they got that check. They got McAvoy. They got Brandon Carlo. They got Hampus Lindholm. Like, that's a good blue line, right? You know, you fit in other players around it, right? So so, so they're in good shape there. We know where, where Patrice Bergeron is. Pasternak, they're trying to sign long-term, right? Brad Marchand, you know, how he comes back from his surgery will be interesting, though. So when I look at core elements of a team, Boston has some core elements in place, Steve. And certainly Nazem Kadri coming in there would, 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 would enhance where their team is at. Six straight years, this team has been phenomenal. They like they have. They lost in the Stanley Cup final, you know. And everybody, I I want a team that can be competing for the Stanley Cup year in year out. Yes, I know what the ultimate goal is. They compete for the cup. I think Naz would help them. I don't like. I I know there's lots of talk about about Goudreau and Barzal in in Long Island. Like I, I don't see it as a good fit. I don't see it. both those players need the puck on their stick to be most effective. So you're going to play Barzell and Goudreau together. Who's going to give up the puck? Who's going to give up the puck? Well, like, I mean, I, I don't see it, Steve. I don't see it. And you're right about Philadelphia. I mean, what? Well, like, I mean, unless Johnny Goudreau says, I, 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 unless they can show Johnny Goudreau, like in, with his uh, Flyers pajamas, with the Flyers bed sheets and the Flyers pillowcase, him laying in bed, that would be the only reason I would see Johnny Goudreau going there to the Philadelphia Flyers. That's the only reason I could see. More on the other UFAs in play and the goalie free agent carousel in just a moment. But first, more on 13 and 91 and the odds of where they might end up. Time now for KB on Ice, an inside look at the NHL brought to you by our friends at Sports Interaction. Sports Interaction is Canada Sportsbook 19 plus play responsibly. This is about. UFA, Wednesday, July 13th, Kadri Goodrow, Goodrow Kadri, what happens and where's the smart money on where they land? Okay, I'm going to start with Nazem Kadri. Nazem Kadri is going to end up on a 100-point team. Like, to me, he's wired to compete. He's wired to win, right? And I think one of those 100-point teams, you go around the league, go through the West, go through the East, that's to me, is where he's going to land. Could he land in Colorado? I think there's a really good chance he lands in Colorado. My second bet is on Calgary. But I will say this to finish up on Johnny Goodrow. 9.5 times 8. You think you're going to get more than that on the free market? 
if he leaves that money on the table and it's going to be because he wants to play somewhere else, 9.5 times eight, that is excellent dollars for Johnny Goudreau. I'm just going to look at sports interaction and say almost nine to one as an Islander for Goodrow, 16 to one for Kadri to jump into Calgary and take Goodrow's place. So as a bet, I should have bet Shane Wright dropping to four. I'd be a millionaire. I'd be a fragrance millionaire, but I didn't do it, Craig, because who would have thought that would have happened? So I'll bet Kadri Calgary and I'll bet Goodrow Islanders. Not that I really believe it, but I'm just trying to make a buck. <laughs> Making a buck is all good. <laughs> yes. I'll, I'll take the Kadri bet as well. I'm not taking the Goudreau bet to the Islanders. With the most competitive odds, take a look. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see everything sports betting has to offer. Go to sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button pod. That's sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button pod. 19 plus play and win. Sazich responsibly. Okay, Mr. Button, we all have our lists. So sort of in play right now in any order is Rangers losing Strom and Cop. Malkin staying or leaving Pittsburgh. The Chicago fire sale means what to Patty Kane? Claude Giroux, Evander Kane, and this goalie carousel of Toronto, Edmonton, maybe New Jersey and Washington. I will, like the game show Joker's Wild, I will let you spin the wheel and decide <laughs> where you want to start because that is silly season madness. And I don't mean the mad dash, although I really like that show. <laughs> I, I don't know where to start. I mean, you, you can start where the dumpster fire is, and the dumpster fire is right in Chicago. You have Patrick Kane staying in Chicago. That's what I'm putting up, double zeros, his chances staying there. First of all, let, here's, what, here's what's happened. They trade Brandon Hagel. Then they trade Alex Debrinkat. Then they trade Kirby Doth. They're not going to qualify Dylan Strom or Dominic Kubalik. <laughs> okay. Like Patrick Kane staying around for what reason? For what reason? To, 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 like, I, I, here's what I said about this, right? The house is burning down. You happen to be on the third floor. You can see everything burning around you. You're going to stay on the third floor of a burning house. Sooner or later, you're going to collapse and burn with it. No way. I don't see any chance for Patrick Kane continuing on. And, and I quite frankly think the Chicago Blackhawks are happy with that. Good luck, Chicago. Good luck. We'll talk to you about me. They all oh, the rebuild. You know what the easiest thing to do is, is take a wrecking ball to a building and knock it down. And everybody goes, oh, yeah, we're in a rebuild. Good, good. I, I want to see what you're going to do. All these play. Oh, we're trying to bet on Connor Bedard. You know what? People forget when they got Jonathan Taze and, uh, and uh, Patrick Kane. They won the lottery to, to get Patrick Kane. They could lose the lottery if they're down at the bottom. But, you know, they had Duncan Keith in the fold. They had Brent Seabrook in the fold. They had Patrick Sharp. They had players in the fold, right? Who does Chicago have? They have, they have, they have, they have 18-year-old kids. That's who they got. 18-year-old kids are going to help you win? Yeah, in five years' time. In five years' time. Bottom line is, I think it's an absolute dumpster fire. Like, good luck. Good luck with this plan. That's all I'm going to say. You know, teams teams go – you know why teams go down this path? Because it's easy to go down this path. And you convince people, yeah, we're going to rebuild. Okay, I'll wait and see. But I, I'll tell you what. Like, think about all the young players, Steve. Think about all the young – I just named five young players that they traded. This isn't about trading an aging group and Patrick Kane's an elite superstar. He's still a superstar. 
This is what you're doing. Good luck. So I'm going I'm to stop there. You continue on from there. I've said enough about the Chicago Blackhawks. I, I quite frankly think to finish my thought on the Chicago, but it's the Chicago Blackhawks. Wow. This is what it's come to. Wow. Yeah. And that's where I want to start to tag you is we might be back to where they were pre 07, 08, 09. We might be back to 7,000. The, the buzz is gone. Like we're going to really find out what kind of hockey town it is. Like anyone can support a winner, but we always said for years, if the games were on television, NHL needs the Chicago market. If they do this and if they do that, and imagine if they won. Well, they did. They built it up right. When Matthew Barnaby was there in what? 03, 04, Chicago is at the bottom. No buzz, building empty. And then they did it right and they got it right. That wheel in the sky is turning and the Hawks are now going to... If they go back to that, shame, tisk tisk, and let's see them rebuild what they did before. So, Craig, as we sit here now, I would like to guess seven years before they're relevant again. Seven years. I was uh, I was at a game in Chicago uh, during that. There was five. There wasn't five thousand people in the building. I remember I was with Dave Lewis. <laughs> And we were we moved down to 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 the lower bowl, and we were across from the benches. Mark Crawford was coaching, uh, I believe at the time it was Vancouver. He was coaching Vancouver, and so we went and saw Mark after the game, and uh, we we were just talking about the the whole atmosphere and everything. And Mark says, "Oh, I saw you guys. I saw you guys." And I said, "Could you hear us talking?" He goes, "If I probably listened closely, I could have heard you talking." <laughs> Let me tell you this: Chicago is a hockey town. It's a winning hockey town. There's a big difference. Don't tell me that Chicago is not a hockey town. There's only one city in the NHL that will sell out regardless. And that's the Toronto Maple Leafs. Just like the Chicago Cubs, like the Green Bay Packers. Winning doesn't connect with the Ted. It's a different environment there. Nobody's coming to, to watch the Chicago Blackhawks be terrible. And, and that's the reality of it. So it's not that they're not a hockey city. It's not that they're not passionate about hockey. They're not going to watch losing hockey. Well said. Okay, kind of boom, bang, bing. Malkin, Crosby's flown to go talk to him. That's an encouraging sign that he might stay. I had already said Reggie Jackson going, going, gone. Florida, Colorado, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know if Crosby can save that situation. Um, Commander Kane? Isn't one year, five million, do it again, realistic? How long would you go after what you saw with him? And Claude Giroux, are you high on Claude, average on Claude, or be weary of Claude? Those are three sexy guys. Claude, Malkin, Evander, go. Wow. Okay, I'm going to start with Evgeny Malkin. You have Crosby still at superstar status. Okay, you have Latang, my view, one of the top. 10 defensemen league. Gensel's a top player. You got Rust. You, they have a good team there. I think they have a really good team. You don't sign Latang long-term and, and, and say you're, you're competing for a Stanley Cup. Evgeny Malkin's a point-of-game player coming off a knee injury, okay? Like, really? You're going to let him go? Like, I, like I, I, don't, I don't know what Evgeny Malkin is asking for. I don't know, 
Okay. But I can't imagine he's being unreasonable in what he's doing. Just like Chris Letang wasn't unreasonable. It's, I think Chris Letang's a $7.58 million defenseman, but he looked at term and everything to me, Sydney's going to go talk to him. And that's great. Bottom line is, is for me, if you're serious about contending for the Stanley cup, Malkin needs to be part of it. I think he'll be there. If the Calgary flames do not resign Johnny Goudreau, I'm, I, I think there's a real strong possibility Vander Kane ends up in Calgary wow. on a long-term wow. contract, whatever it be, five times seven, six times seven. Vander Kane's got lots of game left. That's where, and you know what? Big, strong skating winger who, who'll score you 35 to 40. I, I don't think that. So all of a sudden now, if you're offering Johnny 9.5 and you get Evander at seven, you, you got 2.5 million to put somewhere else. You know, who, who knows? Maybe you get Kadri and Evander Kane. How would that look in the locker room? Oh, <laughs> oh. When they shake hands. Ooh, but I'll tell you what, on the ice, I know how it would look. You add a whole lot of skill and you add a whole lot of edge, <laughs> right? And for Claude Giroux, just know what you're getting. You know, you're, you're like, put him in a spot where he can succeed. You know, he's not a frontline player anymore. He just isn't. But as a, as, as a secondary player, I got time for, for Claude Giroux. Absolutely, I do. I love the silly season. I'm trying to move it along nicely. Uh, interjection, <laughs> we do our thing. So it feels like, like, where these guys all know, like, everyone's talking. You told us last week about accidental conversations and hypotheticals. Maybe some guys, they kind of, no, no, you, you'll sleep well on Tuesday night. You're, others will say, well, things are in play. Like Evander Kane, he'll go to bed waiting. Okay, a guy might. So I get all that. And I think the fans get all that. It feels like Jack Campbell and his agent, and if your agent tells you something, you told me, Craig, that's you. So, so that's you, that there's a sourness between, say, the Leafs and Campbell. So are the Leafs really interested in Matt Murray? And where is Kemper and Campbell? on the Leaf Euler goalie carousel. No goalie, you can't get into the poker tournament. If you don't have a goalie, you're not going anywhere. How is this going to play out on Drama Day, July 13th? Well, well, well aren't we like, and I think you're, I think we're forgetting about one team here and that could be the Washington Capitals. Right. You know, they traded Vanacek to, to New Jersey. I, I think that's a terrific move by the New Jersey Devils. I think Vanacek is right at that age where he's ready to take hold uh, of the number one. And, you know, Mackenzie Blackwood, Tom Fitzgerald can declare all his love for Mackenzie Blackwood. Mackenzie Blackwood has shown him, uh, Mackenzie Blackwood has shown himself to be very inconsistent. And, and unreliable to a certain extent. And I'm not saying unreliable, just injuries and scenarios surrounding them. You, you, you can't have that in your number one goaltender. You just can't. So Washington comes in, a, but it seems to me that Toronto and Edmonton have to be in the Campbell-Kemper discussion. I mean, if Campbell signs in Toronto, I have to think that Kemper goes to Edmonton. And if Campbell signs in Edmonton, I have to think Kemper signs in, in, in Toronto. Here's what I would say. I, I think it's close between the two. Kemper has more on his resume. And I'm not talking about Stanley Cup, more success and everything, right? But if I'm the Toronto Maple Leafs and I cannot get Jack Campbell, that's okay. I understand, But I'm doing everything I can to get Darcy Kemper. Because it's not just adding a goaltender. It's sending a real significant message into your uh, team and your dressing room that says, we just got a Stanley Cup champion here. Toronto plays good defense. Toronto is a good, like a good defensive team. 
So like Kemper can come in there and certainly give. And I think that the, that I think that that sends a real strong message to the rest of the rest of the group. Look what we just did. And we love Jack, nothing wrong, but if we, it's about not knowing what you can and can't get, but if they're going to start quibbling over five, six years at 5 million plus, okay, tell me what your options are. And Matt Murray, who I think benefited from having Marc-Andre Fleury around, even when he, even even when he was winning the Stanley cup, Marc-Andre Fleury had a real significant part in that. Matt Murray like his last number of years have not been very good. We talk about unreliable and inconsistent. That's Matt Murray. Is that what the Toronto Maple Leafs need? I think not. Well, I've told you the conversation, you know, Doug Wilson on the air. You know, we're, we're honest people, right? We, we've got jobs to do. We've got bosses as well. I said, I couldn't, if I worked for you, Craig, and you said, Eric Carlson, 11.5. I, I said, I, I can't, I, I, I don't know if I would have quit. Said, I, I can't go to bed at night. No, no, no. I would say to the Leaf Brass, there, this can't be your option. This is not Ed Belfour, Felix Potvin, Curtis Joseph, Mike Palmatier. This is, this is very dangerous. Very dangerous. And you're talking Campbell, Kemper, dot, 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 to Murray? I don't know. Like, it's, 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 it's not a good feeling. And I'm talking eye test analytics, health. Oh, like if Murray needs someone to mentor him, Eric Schalgren, no, no, no. It's not, it's not going in that direction. And I can understand somebody liking Campbell better than Kemper. If they each are going to get for easy math, five times 5.5 each. And it's a wash. I don't know who's going to be better. I take either one. Maybe I would take Kemper and you would take Campbell, but at least I go to bed at night knowing I've got one or the other to go to Murray, Craig, you know that feeling in your stomach when something's not right? Amway, I'm not buying this. If it turns out to be a great move, good for them. It could end up being an unmitigated disaster. So, so I'll say two things on this. When he got traded to Ottawa and they signed him to the long-term contract before your contract extension, I thought it was a really good move by the Ottawa Senators because I thought that Matt could find his level of play. All that's happened since that point in time, Two seasons, he hasn't found that level. So now we're talking about two seasons on top of previous seasons. You know what? You you know what we what we've seen from Matt Murray the last four years, four seasons is 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 more reminiscent of what you can expect. And I really believe it's not even so much it's support around them. It's like mentorship is one thing, but Mark Andre Fleury could get into the net and play, like you know, like and and I so so that seems to be a thing. Bob Gainey, I, I know when we were in Dallas and we'd be chasing, I mean, not chasing, but we're exploring players and we would get to points of, oh, geez, we didn't get that guy or that guy said no to us and everything. And I remember one time it was, it was a few years after we had, we got it really big into, you know, the, the presentations on free agency. And we were talking about a player and uh, a couple of players. And, and he said, sometimes there's only one thing worse than not getting a player. Somebody said, what's that, Bob? He says, it's getting the player, but you don't realize it till after you already have them that maybe we shouldn't have got that player. I think that's a, that's a tale that's, that, that's been told many a times. You just talked, Eric Carlson, Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, but not where he was at at that point in time. I agree with you, Steve. And these decisions during GM week are make or break. 
they're critical. There's there's 32 gentlemen in their chairs right now. The odds that all 32 will all be back a year from now because everything's gone swimmingly on <laughs> in Shark Week. I don't know. And it's and and you've had to go get a goalie. And then you you can you do the homework, the resume, they do their thing. They it's it's when when you decide, can Ilya Brizgalov be a starter? Can the backup here, Cam Talbot, be the starter? Because they don't grow on trees. You got to make a decision. You got to be creative. And I get it. I get all of those things. There are options in play for for certain teams. I don't know if Simeon Varlamov will be one of those options or not, or the price is too high, or the Islanders are not trading Varlamov to the Leafs, but they might trade him to the Oilers. All I can say is this. We saw Kyle Dubas. We saw Ken Holland. We saw Lou Lamoureux. We saw these guys. It's it's go and showtime. Like we're not waking up August first and they don't have a goalie. Like this is going down now. And Craig, the intrigue level for me is sky high. How about did you? I thought it was very interesting too when uh, John Gibson's agent came out and said John Gibson has no interest in playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, I, I, I mean, obviously he's a good goaltender. Obviously his name gets put into consideration, but I thought it was very telling when his agent came out and said that because it was almost like, don't even go there. Don't ask us to go there. We're not going there. And I thought that was very, because now you, your your options start to shrink. And they, 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 like, you know, there was talk about Billy Husso, right? Shrinking, shrinking. Marc-Andre Fleury, shrinking. You just talked about Kemper and you talked about Jack Campbell. To me, the place of residence next season, Toronto and or Edmonton, one or the other. It's so intriguing, which brings us to final thoughts brought to you by Ultimate Hockey Fans. Go to ultimatehockeyfans.com forward slash cool button pod to get our discount. We got to bring up two other things as it relates to goalies. If you believe in Alexander Georgiev, in Colorado or to good gamble. And then the Garen Talbot flurry mini three ring circus. When Billy Garen used a four letter word, I've got S H I T to do as it relates talking to cam Talbot basically told the agent he smacked him upside the head. So could Talbot eventually be in play? How do you look at those two Western conference storylines? What did I always say? You know, and I always told the players, when your agent speaks, it's you speaking. You hired your agent. Whatever comes out of his mouth are your words. Yeah. I don't don't look at it any other way. So what Billy did was he let Cam Talbot know, you're here. (laughs) You're here. And if there's something that makes sense for me somewhere down the line to do it, I'll do it. But I'm not doing it because you tell me to do it. Billy Guerin runs his team. Billy Guerin runs his team. He, he gave Cam Talbot a, an extension, didn't he? I, I, if I recall, he gave him a three-year contract. You know what? And so now you're looking at it and you upgrade your goaltending. Billy was very clear. I'm very comfortable with our tandem. I'm very comfortable with our duo. Okay, Cam, get in there and play. That's your job. And if you don't want to play, don't come to camp. That's what I would tell the player. Like, like, you know what? But don't start sitting here sending me veiled threats through your agent about what I have to do. You take the bull by the horns, stampede time in Calgary. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, yeah. And so, Georgiev, why are you going to bet? A, hey, that's a good defensive team in Colorado. We saw what happened with Kemper, Joe Sackick. I said, don't bet against him. 
he has done magnificent work with the Colorado Avalanche off the ice, just like he did on the ice. We said this was the best draft in Montreal. I believe this is the best silly season, maybe ever. It has been like, come on. And it's not just coming out of COVID. It's there's so much drama. It's like at every position, it's like every team, UFAs, RFAs, like all of this stuff. And this show was about looking back and teeing up our listeners for Wednesday, beginning at 12 o'clock on Wednesday, you'll be on TSN. I'll be on Sirius XM. We'll try to hand out the t-shirts. Will it be as wow ish as we think will, would you tell people Get up early, phone in sick, and be ready for a plethora of back-to-back-to-back signings that will wow you by the time you go to bed on the frenzy 13th. People want to get business done. Remember, it's the 13th. It's not July 1st. Two weeks behind. And everybody's starting to move forward, right? You got qualifying offers coming out on Monday. Who's going to be qualified? Who's not going to be qualified? A lot of talks. Remember, there's been a lot of seeds planted yep. that, you know, are going to come up and sprout and somebody's going to be picking out the, 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 the crop and some, some people are going to be really happy. So yeah, I think on July 13th, I it's hump day. Why not find a way to just sit back and watch what's going on in the NHL. And by the way, I'm a large when you send me the t-shirt. Bruce. Let's we, we should have brought one. I could have given it to you in Montreal where we had so much fun. Uh, that handshake, me and you, was unbelievable. And guess what? When we see each other again, vis-a-vis episode 82, we will shake it all down. What ended up happening on the frenzy and kind of put a big bow on the season. Craig, this has been so much fun, but we're not done yet. Episode 82. For Craig Button, Bruce Bolton, I'm Steve Coolius. Enjoy the week. Enjoy the silly season. Enjoy Wednesday. And we'll talk to you next Monday, the season finale. And trust me, no one will shoot JR. We will see you then. (laughs) 